Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, John Helmkamp, Matthew Betts, and Matt Okada. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back into the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. We are back one day later. It is now Tuesday after listening on Monday. I am joined by the usual cohorts, Matt Okada and Ron Swanson, a.k.a. John Helmkamp, uh, for the show today. Fellas, how was your Monday? I will preemptively say that my Monday was lovely because I choose to make it so. There you go. That's the way to do it. I will be working from home and therefore in charge of myself, and therefore I say that it's going to be a good day. Um, my Monday was amazing because I had it off as I do the entire week. Yes. And t- Sunday, yesterday, was an incredibly busy day with many different things, including four different podcast recordings. So it was almost as exhausting as the three days prior. So <laughs> Monday, today, uh, basically just laid in bed all day. And did nothing. Yeah, probably. We don't know what our Monday is going to be like because, <laughs> listeners, we're recording this on Sunday afternoon, releasing <laughs> on Tuesday. This is the second of four podcasts coming into your podcast app this week because the NFL draft just happened. There's so much to digest and talk about. We're going to give it to you all this week. So if you missed the running back show, I highly encourage you to go back and check that out. We talked about that on Monday's podcast. But it is Tuesday, and it is time for wide receiver rookie rankings and breaking down these prospects. Before we do, I want to remind everyone we are on social media at RedshirtsFFPod. That's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And of course, don't forget about the Patreon. Patreon.com slash RedshirtsPod is the place to go. If you're looking for uh, a fantasy football community, if you're looking for bonus resources, extra podcasts, live streams, if you want to be our best friend and hang out with us in the Slack channel, that is where to do it. Check it out there. And then on the website, redshirtsfantasyfootball.com, our rookie rankings are now live. All right, boys, there is no news because we're doing this on Sunday afternoon and we already recorded today. <laughs> sure. So we're going to talk uh, right into the, the rookie rankings. Here. We're going to go right into it. The way we did it last time was we went Boy. through the running backs. We went through uh, who was drafted first and then went right down the draft board. We're going to do the same exact thing here for the wide receivers. And guys, as someone who put a little bit of juice on this in sports wagering for the first wide receiver off the board, I was extremely happy to see Henry Ruggs' name get selected at number 12 overall to the Las Vegas Raiders. Maybe a bit of a surprise to go first before the the likes of CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy. But fellas, if there's one thing the NFL loves, it is speed and Henry Ruggs has it. What are your guys' thoughts on the fit here with Henry Ruggs in Vegas? Yeah. Um, I've been on that as him being the first wide receiver off the board for a while just because of what he can bring to an actual offense. It doesn't necessarily mean that he's the most talented wide receiver on the field because I think that's C.D. Lamb in this class. With Jerry Judy being second, Ruggs might be the third or fourth most talented wide receiver in this class, but what he brings is a dynamic speed that defenders have to account to. Whoa, we're unplugged. Sorry about that. Hold on one second. You can still hear me. So I'll keep talking while I fix this. Um, He brings a dynamic speed to it that uh, a lot of wide receivers just don't have. So his ability to bring that energy, that, that ability to control a defense, 
to manipulate a defense where the defense has to account for him over the top opens everything up for the rest of the offense. Um, and I think that that is something that the NFL enjoys. I think that that is what they were looking for, someone to just open up the defense that they're going to be going against, and that's why he was the first wide receiver taken. Yeah, and I will say this about Henry Ruggs. So a lot of people, I think, an initial reaction to this particular landing spot might be, oh boy, Henry Ruggs is a speed guy, which means he's going to be making his money off deep balls, and Derek Carr is about as bad as you can get at throwing those. But the thing is, that's not really so much what Henry Ruggs did in college. It was more taking slants and shorter or intermediate routes and then housing them with his speed. So I don't hate it, actually. I think he'll actually probably get a, a higher number of targets here in Oakland, in Oakland, in Las Vegas than Classic. he would have. Gonna yeah, it's going to happen times. at least seven more times. <laughs> Uh, then he would have gotten elsewhere, and that's that's good because the more he gets the ball in his hands, the more he can contribute with that speed. No worries. He is definitely more than just a deep threat, like Okada was saying. I think he's a, a very solid receiver prospect. How he fits in that offense is kind of yet to be determined, but I think it's great for the offense. Henry yes. Ruggs, tons of speed. Uh, a little bit on, on the shorter side, but not a huge deal in today's NFL. Tyra Williams, kind of that bigger body receiver. You have Darren Waller over the middle. Uh, I think this is great news for the entire offense. I think it's great news for Darren Waller with Ruggs' ability to kind of stretch the field, stretch defenses. So I'm really intrigued uh, by that. Where do you guys have him in your rookie ranks? I have him ranked uh, currently as my seventh wide receiver in this class. Um, and it looks like Okada, you're at six. And six. John, you're at eight. So yeah, we're all nice kind of about balance. the same. Same yeah. balance there. I, I balance this out right in the middle, like I usually do. Um, <laughs> fellas, in a rookie draft, Accurate, if this actually. was a s- single quarterback, yeah, I'm basically dad on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> if this is a single quarterback Alphabets. league, would you take Henry Ruggs, let's say, before or after pick 110? I think it's going to be after because, oh, after. and I, I have him the highest. I have him at six, but I have... Four running backs for sure that are ahead of him. Probably five and maybe even a sixth. So that pushes him probably to the very, very back of the first or turn of the second. And in a super flex league, he's nowhere close to the first for me. Well, I guess he only drops like two or three spots, but still that's well into the second. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. Um, I think he's hard-pressed to go into the first round of any format. Um, I think that he is someone to target in the early to mid-second, potentially. Um, because we've talked about him before. I think that of all the wide receivers uh, in this draft class, he has the widest range of outcomes um, from a fantasy perspective. He could be limited, and it all depends on how they're going to use him. He could mm-hmm. be limited to just being a deep threat, but if they use him on the short intermediate stuff... Uh, screen passes, giving him the ball in space, a la Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. He has that kind of upside. Like, he could be a Tyreek Hill type player, or he could be a deep decoy. It's all going to depend on how the, the Las Vegas Raiders uh, decide to utilize him. Yeah, he's an intriguing player. I'm kind of perplexed as to what to do with him. I don't even know myself, honestly, in these ranks. I've right. kind of put him above other guys because, like you said, the ceiling is there, but the, the floor is definitely there as well. Um, we did a... a a crossover podcast with the guys over at Dynasty Happy Hour uh, about two or three weeks ago before the draft, and I got him at like two oh four, which I think is is perfect. That's if you're getting right. him there, that's yeah. 
um, the, the spot to go in, I think, maybe a little earlier, but really happy with that value there uh, for Ruggs. But no doubt about it, he has got the speed that he could be a, a big-time asset for years to come. More of a defined, kind of nuanced route runner, though, in this class is Jerry Judy. He's the next wide receiver off the board out of Alabama. He goes to the Broncos at 15th overall to pair up with Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, Melvin Gordon, and then we'll talk about him later. They took another wide receiver, KJ Hamler. Guys, if you follow us on Instagram, you will see uh, there's a post up there asking the question, is Drew Locke the single biggest winner of the NFL draft? I would say yes. When you look at that skill position group there, unreal. Yep. But back to, to Judy there. What are your guys' thoughts on the fit? Do you like Judy um, in Denver? Because obviously there's no real discussion to be had about the talent. The dude is an absolute stud. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. Um is Drew Locke necessarily the most reliable quarterback for your fantasy young fantasy receiver? Not necessarily. We don't really know. Uh, it's not necessarily one way or the other, honestly. Like he could certainly be, he could certainly become a top ten quarterback. Uh, it would not surprise me, especially with this weaponry. Uh, and then we feel great about this. He could be average or slightly below average, and Judy could still be good. Um, mm. I mean, Andy Dalton has never been much more than average, and A.J. Green was an elite wide receiver for years. Um, so I I like that. I like that it, they have a good core, but Judy is still probably going to be... Uh, I would probably lean towards him leading the team in targets pretty soon. Corlin Sutton is also very, very good. He was my... In fact... These two guys are my two one receivers from their rookie drafts. They were both my number one because Judy really? is I didn't know that about Sutton. Cortland Sutton was my one in that nice. rookie draft. Who um, else was he with? You know the names? I can't even think off the top of my head. Oh uh, gosh! I'll look it up while you talk. I can't, yeah, yeah. Tell me the names. I'll Please. see if yeah, I regret my that's decision. Interesting. Uh, it wasn't a great class. I know that, but he was mm -hmm. my favorite. And but he, he he's a little bit different, and they're kind of all a little bit different, which I really like. Uh, it brings yeah. a lot of you know variability to the offense. It means they may not eat into each other's work a lot. But I think that Judy could be the guy that leads a team in catches and potentially yards. I'd expect Sutton would probably lead the team in touchdowns. But I think both of them have great potential to be good fantasy assets for years to come. I think it's exactly spot on. What were you saying, Betts? Yeah, I was going to say that was actually a pretty stacked class now that we look back on it. That was the DJ Moore class. Nice. We had okay. Calvin Ridley in that class. Decent. Um, we had DJ Chark. In that Not class, bad. Anthony Miller, Michael Gallup. So yeah, that was that's a pretty right. solid class. It was like but the wide receiver twos everywhere yeah. class. Yeah, yeah, Total and no wide super elite Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm right on pace with what Okada is saying there. Um, I love what they did from a roster construction standpoint of just being like, we believe in our quarterback and we are going to give him every single opportunity to succeed. We have a big body. Uh, X receiver in Sutton. We're going to get the number two receiver in Jerry Judy, who can be a little bit more of a possession guy and operate the, the mid to underneath stuff. And then we're going to go out later and get a slot guy that we'll talk about later with KJ Hamler, potentially. Um, they already have Noah Fant, and then they drafted Albert O as well to go behind him. They're like, we're going to give you every tool, like style, the whole spectrum to operate with. Which kind of puts a lot of pressure on Locke, to be honest. If he doesn't True. succeed with this, uh, dude, you can't blame it on anything else. Like, it's it's just you. Maybe the offensive line, but that that's the only discussion to be had if in a couple of years he's not, you know, winning. So, this offense is poised to take huge step forwards. They're all very, very young 
talented skill players on that offense. Uh, Cortland Sutton is the oldest skill player on that offense, other than Melvin Gordon that they just brought in, but he's still only 25, 26, whatever he is. Um, so yeah, really interesting. I totally agree. Sutton is probably the favorite for touchdowns. I think that Judy is the favorite by potentially late this year, if not going into next season to be the odds on like target receptions favorite. I don't know that I necessarily agree with the, the target leader. I mean, Corlin Sutton, guys, is a freaking stud wide receiver. Yeah, but good. He is yeah. legit. I'm not saying that it won't happen because there's a chance. We haven't seen enough of Drew Locke with Cortland Sutton to to know that that's where it's going to go. Similar to, like a, let's say, like a Matt Ryan to a Julio. We know Julio is going to lead the team in targets before Calvin Ridley. But in this offense, I mean, I don't know that there's a, a high probability of that happening with Jerry Judy just yet. However, do you, do the range of outcomes that- is high. Do you think that Sutton is a better prospect? I think Jerry Judy is a better prospect coming out of college. But from what I've seen in Cortland Sutton in two years in the NFL, I mean, I hope Jerry Judy becomes that, right? Like, he's been an absolute stud, and that was with Joe, Joe Flacco last year for half the year. Yes, so that's true. There's I a do, lot to I, like about the entire offense. I do think Judy comes in at a higher point, though, which means if he continues along a similar trend, I would expect him to be as good as or better than Sutton pretty quickly. So that's kind of where I come from. But I do agree Sutton right now would be established as the one until we see what Judy can do. For sure. I, I still think of Sutton as being more of an alpha dog, though, than I do about Jerry Judy. Like, I think that Jerry Judy is like a, a technician. True NFL one. Yeah, yeah, like I, yeah, I think of fair. Jerry Judy as being a like really clean, polished technician of a wide receiver, but as Cortland Sutton potentially having that, I, and I still think that he's got more developing to go. Like he could develop into being one of these like big body elite wide receivers in the NFL. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about the next player here, and then I want to propose the question to you guys. Because everyone has the question, right? Is it C.D. Lamb or is it Jerry Judy? Who's the one in this class? Let's talk about that in a second. Before we do, let's talk about C.D. Lamb landing in Dallas. <sighs> Rip my heart out, guys. I was so <laughs> happy. I was so excited. C.D. Lamb just kept falling and falling and falling. And for some unknown reason, the Falcons take a cornerback who they could have gotten in freaking like round two. They wouldn't trade with us to let Philly go up and get him. Nevertheless, CeeDee Lamb is a Dallas he, he Cowboy. He is a part of the Eagles, by the way. Yeah, true, they would true. not trade with us. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. That is my team. Uh, I am yes. pretty much the wide receiver nine on the roster right now. So Pretty sure uh, you're the wide receiver yes. five. But yeah, that's you okay. might be a little higher, but... <laughs> Give me some credit. Um, but man, CeeDee Lamb surprised Landon Dallas. I don't think anyone really projected that. Mostly because I don't think anyone thought he would last that long in the draft. No. Uh, I believe that we all... Maybe Okada's not with me on that. I know John is. He was our top-ranked rookie wide receiver pre-NFL draft. Okada shaking his head yes. And now he lands in Dallas. Guys, the landing spot, we talked about it on last week's show, for Dallas is not great. When you look at Amari Cooper on the roster, Michael Gallup, um, Zeke gets a ton of work out of the backfield. But now that we've had a couple days to digest it, what are you guys' thoughts on C.D. Lamb landing with the Cowboys? Yeah, I've been trying to think in my mind like what this could look like, find a comp for it, or somehow imagine in my mind how these three receivers can either all have value or if one of them loses it, who's it going to be? And it is so hard to do. It's tough. Like, I really don't know. There, There probably isn't a recent comp for it. It's honestly probably the best 
receiving core in the league at this point, just from a pure wide receivers perspective, not counting tight ends and running backs. But those three guys, that's better than Evans, Godwin, and whoever the third guy is for the Bucks, in my opinion, at this point. Like, these are three very, very good talents. And I do think that each will produce. It's just a question of how high the ceiling for each will be. And I know we talked about Amari Cooper and his contract last week. I think that I don't think that he's going to be gone after two years because there's money, you know, because they could theoretically lose him for cheap. I think they're all going to be there potentially for a while. And it's going to be a good offense, and they're not going to want to break it up, and it's going to be working well. And as long as their defense plays up to snuff, they may actually win some playoff games. They're certainly going to win the division at this point. Um, hey, ouch. Sorry, bud. Yeah, uh, that's just big facts right there. You think the Redskins are going to push for it? No, not in a million years. Um, so it's tough to say. He's still my two uh, pretty easily, I would say. But he's also, I think, pretty easily for me, my two behind Judy at this point. All right. So you answered the question that we were going to talk about. You have him as the as your two. Oh, Jerry I did. Judy I skipped ahead. Yep. That's okay. So, John, same question for you. How do you like yeah. to fit? And then hit me with your ranking on uh, on CD Lamb. So here's the thing. Um, when he got drafted, so when, when Dallas was on the clock, Okada, did you watch our, our reaction to that? No, okay, I wish. So as, as it was as it was happening <laughs> and they're coming up on the clock, I was sitting here and I'm going, Jerry Jones is sitting all by himself with no scouts. Unsupervised. Or unsupervised <laughs> with no coaches, no scouts, nobody else in his ear to say, Jerry, don't be dumb. Don't do that thing. And I was saying this and I'm sitting here and CD keeps falling. And I was like, you know what? Jerry Jones is obsessed with the wide receiver position. He still talks about Michael Irving. Um, I would not be surprised if he takes the chance and takes CD Lamb. And it ended up happening. And at first, I was heartbroken. And I hated it. I hated it so much. And my gut, like, way overreaction talking live on the on that live stream on Thursday night and watching all the other landing spots take place. Um, my way overreaction, I think I, I labeled him as, like, the wide receiver four in this class. Like... After Rager and Judy Jefferson. And then I woke up the next day. And then I'm like, okay, let's let's settle down a little bit and let's actually digest and think about this. To me, I had him as my number one coming in to this draft. My number one wide receiver. Um, I love everything that he brings to the table. I think that he's very DeAndre Hopkins-esque in his talent and the way that he plays the game and everything that he is. His yards after the catch are fantastic. He can win contested catches like crazy. His ability to contort in the air looks like Julio or yeah, looks like Julio when he when he leaps. It's ridiculous. I love me some CD Lamb. Um in Dynasty, you're playing a you know, yes, you play for now, but you're also playing the long game, especially with wide receivers. Running backs are more of a win now asset. Like you're giving them like a couple year window with wide receivers they can take some time to develop into being their final form. Like in order to get to being a wide receiver one in the league, it takes time. It takes several years. I believe in CeeDee Lamb's talent. It is a crowded room. I would not be surprised at all if Amari Cooper ends up getting traded within a year or two. Like I could see that reality completely happening. Uh, shake your head all you Hopefully. want, Kata. But eventually, I think what they're going to see is that they have three 
really good wide receivers, and another team is going to be willing to pay a lot like Bill O'Brien and give up way too much for Amari Cooper because they are wide receiver needy. It, it could be like a Brandon Cooks scenario where we see a wide receiver get traded three times in four years. Amari Cooper could be that because of his inconsistency problems, but mm. then every other team has the name brand on him and loves him. So I could absolutely see it happening. His inconsistency, Amari Cooper, is a problem for me. And if CeeDee Lamb is able to come in and be a very steady, consistent producer in this offense and win like one-on-one matchups consistently, he could take over being the number one read for Dak Prescott. So I could see a scenario where he just ends up winning, just ends up beating it out and becoming that alpha dude in Dallas. And Amari Cooper is an inconsistent option that is dispendable to the offense and gets traded for like a first or another, you know, solid defensive piece that that team could benefit from having. So I'm trusting the talent. I'm trusting my evaluation and I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I took CeeDee Lamb twice today as the first wide receiver off the board in two rookie drafts that I'm in. Yeah, I pretty much fall in the exact same camp that John does for the same reasons. My reaction was, I'm going to die. This is the worst news I've ever yeah, seen. Exactly. When, like the Cowboys took the receiver who I was hoping desperately would go to the Eagles. Of course, he didn't. Oh, I know. But now that you wake up and you have time to digest it, you think about it. CeeDee Lamb is just a freaking good wide receiver, and yeah. he is a dog, man. He is going to dominate at the next level. I have no doubt about that. The only question is, what is the target share going to look like? Right. Will it be enough targets for him to succeed as a wide receiver one in fantasy? That just remains to be seen. We can't answer that question yet. But I think he's a better prospect than Michael Gallup. So people are saying, you know, Michael Gallup's going to hold CeeDee Lamb back. I do not agree with that at all. And if you're telling me that it can, I can have CeeDee Lamb as the wide receiver two, potentially, across from Amari Cooper, we saw Gallup be plenty productive last year. And so for that well, reason, even, I still have CeeDee Lamb as my one. And even Randall Cobb put up north of 800 yards in that offense last yeah. year. So For like, sure. And we're talking about an offense scenario. that's going to look different. This yeah. offense now with Mike McCarthy for years in Green Bay led the league in passing. So I've come around to the situation a little bit more. Uh, as much as it pains me, <laughs> CeeDee Lamb, still my top-ranked wide receiver in this class. But let's talk about my Philadelphia Eagles. They take a surprise pick here. Yeah. Jalen Rager at 21 overall in the first yes. round. Everyone thought it was going to be Justin Jefferson, myself included, and I was very sad it was not. Me too. However... Jalen Rager brings a unique aspect to the NFL, and like we talked about with Henry Ruggs, the Eagles love speed, and we see it with what's happening right now. Holy they said, cow. we have Alshon Jeffrey, he's aging, Deshaun Jackson is unreliable at this stage of his career, Zach Ertz is reliable over the cross of the middle of the field, what do we need? A guy that stretches the defense, Jalen Rager can do that and so much more, and then they said, yeah. you know what, let's take let's John Hightower out of Boise State, let's trade for Marquise Goodwin, like... Also it's unreal. Watkins. They put four yes. speed guys on that offense. So I don't know what's going to happen. I think it's just going to be line up four wide and just everyone <laughs> run go routes. And then Zach Ertz and Miles Sanders four. out of the backfield. Like four I verts. don't really know. Four verts. But I think this is a situation where Rager is a better play right now for the Eagles than it is for our fantasy lineups. That's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. I have him. Let's see in my ranks. I have him at uh, wide receiver five in this class. Okada at five as well. John, you are at three. So, John, I'm going to kick it over to you. What do you think about uh, Jalen Rager? Obviously, you're a little bit higher than us here on the landing spot. Yeah. um, I've been in uh, House Rager since our good friend of the show, uh, Ray GQ on on Twitter, 
turned me on to him several months ago. And then I, I was like, okay, convince me about this player. And he started talking to me about it and showing me clips and all that. And then I started doing my own evaluation. Um, he was in a just putrid offense this last year. So I don't hold his production numbers against him. His dominator rating was still great. He was the target share leader, all that. His ability to jump, he jumps out of the freaking building. He might not be the tallest wide receiver, but that dude gets up there like he's explosive he's so explosive so athletic so fast i mean he's a four two guy he's he had a bad combine he came in he i think my my theory i haven't heard this but my theory as he, he was probably training somewhere and they were telling him you need to be at a certain weight and that'll help your draft stock and he beefed up some muscle and was training and they were probably like oh yeah you're still running like a four two nine and and he was like, okay, cool. And then he got to the combine and he ran in the four fours and he probably went, what the hell just happened? Um, well, he was like 11 pounds heavier than his listed playing weight throughout the season. He ended up shedding like nine of that after the combine for his pro day. Um, he ran like a four two nine, uh, hand timed, but they had multiple timers on it. Um, and regardless if you believe the timer, if you think it was slightly fudged, the dude just looked blazing quick in that video. Like, he looked so fast. He was back to his explosive way that he looked on tape. So I don't really even care what the number is. He's explosive. He's fast. He's a great leaper. He wins contested catches. Um, he brings a lot more to an offense than just speed and deep threat. Kind of like what we were talking about with Ruggs, honestly. There's a lot more versatility to both of their game than a lot of people are giving them credit for. I think he can win at all three levels on the field. And he's going to stretch that defense like crazy. Um, for Ertz and Goddard and Miles Sanders out of the backfield on wheel routes and all kinds of good stuff. He's great for them as a scheme. I think he's a really solid individual prospect as well. And I think that he's going to win the trust of Wentz uh, really quickly and, and should see a great target share because, like he said, his only competition is an aging Alshon Jeffrey. Like he, he should step in and be the lead target option in that offense year one. Yeah, Okada, what are your thoughts on Rager as a prospect here in Philly? Yeah, uh, I mean, I have him at five, so that should tell you a little bit. This was, uh, yeah, I, I would say without doubt my favorite landing spot for any receiver to go. Now, I'm not saying that he was the best fit for what I wanted them to do. I actually would have much preferred Justin Jefferson, as I feel like a lot of us would have. Yeah, all three of us would have, yeah. Yeah, but... It's still uh, pretty much arguably the best spot for a receiver to go based off, you know, the available targets, the talent of the quarterback, and the backup quarterback. Am I right? That's stop it. <laughs> um, the Not creativity, <laughs> the creativity of the offense, the coach, the organization. It's all good for Rager, uh, and and he and his talent is plenty high. John hit on it, so it's a great spot. Uh, five in this class is like you know pushing one or two in, in other classes. Yeah, you know in the Definitely. in the in the class we talked about earlier with Cortland Sutton and Calvin Ridley, he would have been up there with those guys potentially uh, for the one or two. So it's it's great. Yeah. yeah. Definitely intrigued by him as a prospect. Uh, we'll see what he can do here at the next level. Obviously, John said the college production, not quite up to the speed with these other guys, but there's a reason for it. TCU was not a good team uh, the past couple of years. One guy playing for a very good team, though, was Justin Jefferson, putting up 111 receptions while playing at LSU, winning a national championship. Guys, we all said it. We wanted him in Philly. He lands in Minnesota literally the very next pick. 
steps right into a role vacated by Stefan Diggs. I think it's an absolute dream spot Mm -hmm. for Justin Jefferson. I absolutely love it. You have Adam Thielen, you have Justin Jefferson, and this is a scenario that's so stable, right? The, The distribution of targets over the last, what, three, four years has been Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, and a little bit of the tight end running back out of the backfield here and there. Justin Jefferson's going to push for 100 targets in his rookie season. So if you're telling me there's one player that's not named Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb who could finish with the most fantasy points as a rookie in this class, I think your money goes on Justin Jefferson based off what he can do and what's available in the offense. What are you guys' thoughts on the fit there in Minnesota? Yeah, it's honestly almost as good as if he had gone to Philly. Like, yeah, yeah. you're probably not going to get quite as many targets right out of the gate because Adam Thielen is it leaps and bounds better than anyone that Philly had, but you still have a good young quarterback. You still Don't have a disrespect Greg offense. Ward like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kirk Cousins is more than capable of getting the ball to his receivers, as we've seen from those two guys producing over the past few years. The main question for me is what's going to happen as far as who goes to the slot and how often, because Justin Jefferson was all slot last year when he dominated right. at LSU. And Thielen goes into the slot. It's uh, Over the course of the years, it's varied, but he does work out of the slot a lot. So if do, are they going to push Thielen all the way to the outside kind of permanently and just leave Justin Jefferson as a slot guy? Are they going to rotate it in and out? The slot spot there would be great because we just know that being, the, being a slot receiver, especially Justin Jefferson's type slot receiver as opposed to the Adam Humphreys type slot receiver. Right means big production in fantasy because it's easier to get open you can scheme better routes it's all around good stuff for production um so if they put him there i love it if they don't i still probably love it he's a great receiving prospect he's going to be dominant contested catch guy i think he's going to score plenty of touchdowns i think he's going to have 80 plus receptions very soon and you're going to see a lot of PPR production from Justin Jefferson. So it, uh, he is my three right now. He is the first guy besides the uh, behind the elite two. So as far as talent plus landing spot, I think he might have the best combo outside of Judy. Lamb's challenge just barely ekes him out for me to keep him at two. Yeah, and he's my four right behind Rager, but it's splitting hairs. Like... There's so many good wide receivers that went to great landing spots. I almost kind of like that the elite wide receivers went to spots that are going to require them to kind of work a little bit and that the next tier down went to elite landing spots because Mm. you kind of get like five wide receivers like off the cuff that should be able to contribute like right away. So it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool how it all worked out that way. Um, I love Justin Jefferson. I did the video breakdown of him on our YouTube channel. Please go check it out. It is, uh, I'm not saying it's fantastic. I'm saying he's fantastic. <laughs> I love Justin the Jefferson. The video is fantastic. The video is so great. <laughs> the editing of the video that Betts did is fantastic. Um, Justin Jefferson was so good. And one of the things I love about him is he's such a smart wide receiver. Like if you watch the tape, his understanding of zone coverages and when to settle down and when to just find that soft spot and throttle back and make himself available for a quarterback was so good. I think he's going to be so friendly to the quarterback. I think Kirk Cousins is going to love having him as an option. The only reason why I put him just below Rager and it's so close to me 
is because of having Thielen there. Like the competition is a little bit higher, whereas in Philly, it's banged up aging Alshon Jeffrey, banged up aging Deshaun Jackson. Yes, the tight ends are are very, very important in Philly as well, and, and that'll soak up a lot of targets. But from a wide receiver standpoint, it was just a clearer path. So I put Rager just above Jefferson. But Jefferson is a great prospect. Again, so many other years, he'd probably be like the number two wide receiver off the board, potentially the number one, depending on the class. He's a great prospect. I love him. I love the fit. Um, stepping in when uh, Diggs vacates, it, it, it's it's great. It's a fantastic spot. And Kirk Cousins is great on so many different areas of the field, but he's awesome at short to intermediate and timing throws in the zone defense. And that is where just Justin Jefferson thrives. So I, I love that fit there. Yeah, I think, and just to speak to it too, and then we can move on. Okada, you mentioned the concerns potentially with Adam Thielen also being in the slot. Per PFF, I just looked it up. Last season, Adam Thielen lined up in the slot 28% of the time uh, versus about 68% on the outside. So there I thought is... that would have been more. That's interesting. Yeah, so it's not quite as often as maybe we had seen previously, and maybe that mm-hmm. part of that is due to the fact that um, they knew that kind of things were changing in the offense, going to that two wide receiver set yeah. more often, and LaCron Treadbill just didn't work out. So I think Justin Jefferson nope. has plenty of, of time to work in the slot. I think the landing spot is absolutely brilliant for uh, Justin Jefferson. All right, fellas, before we move on to our next wide receiver, I want to thank the sponsor of today's show, that is tinywhiteboardworkouts.com. You have heard that name before, and that is because that is the place to go if you want to get absolutely ripped, guaranteed, or your money back. Uh, no, just kidding. Good friend of mine, his name is John. He is uh, the owner of Tiny Whiteboard Workouts. He is a personal trainer. He is a smart dude. He's a fitness coach who knows what he is doing, and he's here to help you reach your fitness goals. So check out tinywhiteboardworkouts.com. Also follow him on Instagram at tinywhiteboardworkouts. He gives away his workouts for free on the Instagram page, so it costs nothing to go check it out. And then if you want to work with him based off what you're seeing on his workouts, uh, he can coach you up and take you through that. So check that out. Uh, Thank you again to Tiny Whiteboard Workouts. All right, fellas, the next wide receiver off the board, this one I am very excited about. I know Kata is as well. Oh, we all are. Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State goes at the 25th pick in the draft, and the San Francisco 49ers take him not only... Do they take him? They trade up to take him, mm. which I absolutely love when that happens for a receiver prospect. Brandon Ayuk is a guy who, like Okada said in the YouTube breakdown, again, check that one out, um, along with Justin Jefferson. He is a guy that is dangerous with the ball in his hand. I think this is a perfect fit in Kyle Shanahan's offense, the way that they use play-action passing, the way they get their wide receivers involved, along with George Kittle over the middle of the field on crossing patterns. It's just so tough to cover I think Brandon Ayuk is going to absolutely smash in San Fran. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on Ayuk? And tell me about the landing spot there with San Francisco. Okada, this oh. is your boy. You go ahead, man. <laughs> oh, my heavens, Bet. Listen, when this pick went down, I said, well, unless the Patriots pick Jalen Hurts, this is going to be my favorite pick of the entire draft. And guess what? The Patriots didn't pick Jalen Hurts because he got stolen by the Eagles. Lol. In the second round. <laughs> you hate to see it. What um, are we doing? I don't know. But uh, that sucks aside, to suck. Probably yeah, not for the last awful. time. Brandon Ayuk to the 49ers is so sexy. It's so And funny. as Betts mentioned, not only Ayuk to the 49ers, but Ayuk to the 49ers in the first round on a trade-up 
means that they desperately wanted this guy. They have a very set plan for what he can do in this offense. And I would not be surprised if Shanahan knew that coming into the draft. He was like, I want to get this IU kid. We yeah. will trade up if we have to because I know what I can do with him in, in this offense. And that is 100% what's going to happen. Last year, this team was third in the NFL in big plays. So big plays is 20-plus yard catches and 10-plus yards runs added together. They were third in the NFL. They had 126 big plays. This offense is geared around using play action, having a strong run game, and then having big plays gash you. George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Emmanuel Sanders was great last year. Brandon Ayuk is going to be the best talent on that team for that for big plays to happen. He is going to make them happen constantly, and Shanahan is going to scheme perfectly to make them happen with Ayuk. Not only is his yards after catch incredibly good, we're talking yeah. top five in the entire FBS, his yards after contact is also disgustingly good. He's not a guy who's going to go down, which means you can give the ball on screens, you can give him on the ball in, in the backfield, on reverses. Uh, anywhere on the field that you get Brandon Ayuk the ball, he is going to make something happen with it. So... We're talking probably a, a 1A, 1B with Debo Samuel as far as targets go pretty quick, if not right out of the gate. I would expect him to lead the team in yards shortly. I would expect him to challenge George Kittle for touchdowns shortly. Wow. This guy is going to be a weapon in this offense. He's going to make the whole offense better. I would not be surprised if the 49ers go back to the NFC Championship game with the best offense in the league to go along with their best defense because of how good of a weapon Brandon IU can be. So I love him very, very much. He is currently my four, but I honestly probably just talked myself into moving him above Justin Jefferson to my three. I loved him coming in, and this couldn't be any better. All right, easy there, Tiger. Um, I, I hear you. <laughs> he is currently my five. But again, this is such a good class that these guys are all going to produce. I was with you. When it happened, and Betts and I on the live stream, we were like, Oh, yes. Trading up and taking him to San Francisco for Kyle Shanahan. Juicy as it gets. I mean, this is perfect. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have an average depth of target of like four and a half yards. And they're yep. all just going to take them <laughs> 25 yards after the catch every yep. single time. It's going to be so beautiful. So much misdirection. I've heard a lot of people saying that he and Debo are like the same prospect. And shut your mouth. No, they're not. Um, they're just not. Ayuk is is nope. a better prospect than Debo Samuel. I like Debo. I like what he did. They got him involved creatively and schemed wonderfully for him, which is what Shanahan does. Shanahan's scheming for Ayuk. Ayuk will be a more consistent contributor in multiple facets of the game. Um, he will have a great opportunity to bust big plays, but he will also, I think, have a more stable floor than what we saw out of Debo Samuel in his rookie season. I think that Ayuk will be a guy that gets closer to like six to eight targets a game in his rookie season than someone that might only get like three on occasion. I think Ayuk will be heavily involved. Um, love him. He's fantastic. He fits them perfectly. I hate that he's in the NFC West with my Seahawks. Um, it's going to be great. I think that he's a perfect fit for that offense. And I think that he is going to do wonderful things. I love him. He's my wide receiver five right behind Justin Jefferson. Yeah, definitely team Ayuk here on the Red Shirts. All of us. Fantasy football podcast. No doubt about it. All right, guys, on to round two of the NFL draft. The first wide receiver taken in the first pick, actually, in the second round. 
Number 33 overall, T. Higgins out of Clemson is a guy who was most likely going to be a first-round pick based off the college production, based off the tape, based off playing at Clemson, and obviously what, what they've done with wide receivers is unreal, but had a really, really, really bad pre-draft process, chose yeah. to sit out of the combine. His pro day was average as it gets, so I think he fell for a reason there. But obviously, still very good draft capital to go early in the second round to the Bengals. He gets to pair up with Joe Burrow, presumably for the next seven, eight, nine years. We'll see what happens. But uh, T. Higgins has a chance to step in behind A.J. Green and take over as the one. I think it's going to take a little bit of time, though, for him to be a fantasy asset for our rosters. I still like the player and what he brings, which is a great jump ball player, uh, big as hell, wide catch radius, can go up and get the ball like no one else in this class. But I think he needs to refine his route running a little bit. I think he needs to learn to, to play against more physical corners at the next level. So it's going to be a learning curve, I think, for uh, for T. Higgins. But still a very good prospect. I'd be happy to have him on my roster. But I don't think we're going to see the production that we're going to see from the other names that we already talked about here. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on T. Higgins there in Cincinnati? So on our running back pod, if you listen, we talked about J.K. Dobbins. And we talked about J.K. Dobbins being a guy that we didn't really like quite as much as a prospect coming in. But he went to a good spot where he's not going to contribute immediately because there's a veteran in front of him. But then he once he gets the job and he's in that offense, he could be really quite good and end up being a sneaky value for you in your draft. The kind of situation where if you're rebuilding and you're at 104, you trade down to 112 and get T. Oh, I did I say T. Higgins? I meant J.K. Dobbins. J.K., not really. I meant T. Higgins because he is the same thing, but the receiver <laughs> great- version. Great parallel. Great that parallel. is exactly what I'm thinking about T. Higgins right now is that do I want him this year? Do I want him if I'm going for the championship right now? Probably not. He's going to sit behind A.J. Green, assuming A.J. Green plays. And there's also Tyler Boyd there, and it's going to be Joe Burrow's rookie season, which is not necessarily great for receiver. But after that, when this guy has a little bit of a chance to learn, he is still a very talented receiver. He's a guy out of Clemson. Like Beth says, it's pretty hard to be bad. He's a receiver yeah. coming out of Clemson. <clears throat> And he is going to end up returning a lot of value for you and being, a, I think, a consistent wide receiver two type with upside fantasy option for a, a quite a while. So I like this as a value for him. I think that was very wonderfully stated, Okada. Congratulations. Nicely that, was, done, Okada. that was elegant. Uh, it was wonderful. I completely agree. I think that is a great comparison to put him and J.K. Dobbins in a very similar layer of people that we don't necessarily love their talent as being like elite in this class, but they're both very solid prospects that landed in really good future positions. And I think that that's great. I mean, you you pair a 6'4 wide receiver, T. Higgins, with a massive wingspan, and he's just a strider. I mean, he just strides it out, looks... Looks like he's not running fast, but defenders can't touch him. And you're like, what's going on? How does that happen? Well, because each stride is like freaking three and a half yards. It's insane. Um, He, I think, has a lot of raw talent. Needs a little bit of refining. Learning behind AJ Green could do wonders for him. That is a perfect Perfect. person for him to study under in terms of how to be an NFL wide receiver. I, I love that he gets to learn under A.J. Green because I I think they're very similar in a lot of ways. So I think that that's an interesting fit. You're going to pair him with Joe Burrow. The two of them have already worked out together in the past. Um, You're going to see these two just continue to build a chemistry and grow together over the years. 
I have no problem taking him. He's going a little rich for me. Like, I'm seeing him go early second. I've even seen him go late first, and that's a little rich for my blood on T. Higgins because he is a little bit more of a prospect. I'd prefer more of, like, the 2.04 to 2.07 range. I would feel better with T. Higgins right in there. Um, So if you can get him there, great. I wouldn't reach for him in the first, especially if you're a win-now team, but... Um, I think that he's a great project piece that could really develop uh, into being something really solid. Yeah, no doubt. Um, This is a good opportunity for us to also say Tyler Boyd is a buy. I don't think Mm. this affects him at all. We've actually had some chat in the Red Shirts Patreon. Shout out to the Patreon crew. Um, Slack channel and our Dynasty League that we have with those guys that people were like, oh, Boyd's for sale. And a couple other people were like, I'm buying, and I am too. Uh, I don't think this affects him negatively whatsoever. Just want to put that out there. They're complete different Next roles. wide receiver. Yeah, yeah. Oh, completely yeah. different Good roles. Call. Next wide receiver is a guy I am rising on, especially with, like Okada talked about on our last show with the running backs. They said they took this guy before they took Jonathan Taylor. Obviously, mm. we love Jonathan Taylor. But they took Michael Pittman Jr. first in the second round uh, out of USC. Again, a big-bodied receiver. This dude comes from NFL Bloodlines. He is a monster. He is a monstrosity when the ball is in the air. Goes up and gets the ball. Probably even better than T. Higgins, I would say. Uh, very, very good. Refined route runner. I think there's a lot of things to like about Michael like. Pittman Jr. And I'm rising on him quite a bit. This landing spot is great. You have T.Y. Hilton, who's he's not old, but he's definitely getting up there. He's, what, 30 now? Potentially 31 by the end of the year. Um, Paris Campbell, we saw do very little last year because of injury. Michael Pittman Jr. slides in as a potential wide receiver two as early as year one across from T.Y. Hilton. So I like this fit a lot. What do you guys think about Pittman out of USC? I am more than rising bets. This is this is one of the guys that I could see me being the highest on it compared to consensus very shortly. Right now I have him at seven, which is not very high. It's ahead of T. Higgins. It's just behind uh, rugs, but that's mainly only because I haven't watched enough tape myself to give like a final eval. But once I do, I would not be surprised if this guy climbs unnaturally high for me. He is very good. The USC wide receiver factory in recent years has actually been surprisingly good. You got Juju, Robert Woods, even Marquise Lee and Nelson Aguilar have been good in spurts for fantasy. Um, like you said, he comes from a good bloodline. He is both a deep ball threat and a contested catch jump ball guy, which means he's like T.Y. Hilton, but better because he can also catch touchdowns and be a red zone threat, which (laughs) T.Y. Hilton can't because he's a wee little lad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, the main issue, the main issue is I don't know what's happening at quarterback. Yes. Yeah. It's going to be interesting what happens in a a year or two in Indy at the quarterback position. So that does give me a little bit of pause. But just looking at Pittman, just looking at the team that he went to and the opportunity that he has, he could easily become a top six receiver for me very quickly and maybe even sneak his way towards the first round, depending on how the tape eval goes. Yeah, um, I'm the same way. Okada and I just tend to agree on these wide receivers, which is weird. Um, Except for the running back disagreements. Except for the running back disagreements. But the wide receivers, we're seeing a lot of the same. Listen, there's a couple wide receivers out of the Pac-12 after dark that the rest of the country is just sleeping on. Uh, This being one of them, Brandon Ayuk the other. And Michael Pittman, 
that boy, good. He's a good wide receiver at all levels of the field. Um, he's 6'4", just like T. Higgins. Dude's big. He's um, 6'4", 223. Yeah. Um, ran a 4'540", which is fine for that size. Great jump. Um, he's awesome. He wins at all levels. He can... He's a good route runner, too. He's great on the underneath stuff. He's good at everything. You remember when people used to hate wide receivers out of USC? Do you remember yes, how yep. that was the narrative, like, five yep. years ago? Can't trust any wide receiver that comes out of USC. Well, suddenly, like you were just saying, there's all these wide receivers in the NFL now that are producing out of USC. Uh, he's next in line. Um, I might be bold here. I think that he might be the best USC wide receiver to come out in the last five years. I think he might be better than Juju. Ooh, I think that Michael Pittman spicy. Jr. is a really, really good prospect. I like him a lot. You give him a team to go to where he's going to slot in as the number two opposite of T.Y. Hilton right away. Um, he's got a great opportunity with a veteran quarterback. And then guess who they just drafted to go potentially behind him? Big arm boomer Jacob Eason who could potentially develop into a great starting asset with a cannon of an arm that fits him perfectly. Like give me Michael Pittman with a cannon arm, like kind of wild card gunslinger quarterback. Great. I love it. Give me that for Michael Pittman jr. He's a great prospect, a great ad. I, I love the opportunity in front of him. They've been looking for the number two wide receiver in Indy for like five years and haven't been able to find it. They found it in Michael Pittman jr. In my opinion, I think he's a great ad for them. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if you guys or listeners play any college fantasy football. Uh, it was my first time doing it last year. And if you want to take your level of degeneracy to another level, this is <laughs> how to do it. Uh, but I played with a good friend of the show, Travis May, in his league. And I didn't know a ton, honestly, about these prospects. But I did a little research. I was like, this Michael Pittman guy sounds really good. It was fantastic. I would go to bed on Saturday nights because they played on the West Coast. I'm in bed. He's in my lineup. I wake up the next morning and I'm like, how the heck did this dude get 35 fantasy points again? He dominated last year. Yeah. He is so good. good. I am very excited about Michael Pittman here um, in Indy. All right, boys. Next player uh, to be taken in the NFL draft was LaVisca Chenault uh, mm. out of Colorado. He lands with uh, Jacksonville. Yes, mm. lands with Jacksonville. He goes at pick 42 overall. Now, if you're more interested in LaVisca Chenault's injury history, I encourage you to check out my article on the website. Detailed it quite a bit there. Uh, he's coming off core muscle repair surgery. Should be good to go 100% before June. So that's not really a concern right now, but he's a bit of a raw prospect. And what I mean by that is we don't know what he's going to translate to at the next level because the dude is an athletic monster. But at Colorado, they used him everywhere on the field. You're talking... At wide at wide receiver, slot receiver, um, running back, H back, wildcat. He was everywhere. And so how will he translate to the NFL? That remains to be seen. But he's going to a, a team with a ton of targets up for grabs. They're a rebuilding team anyway. So even if you're taking him in Dynasty, you're not really like bummed out if he doesn't produce this year. Right. I think Lavishka Chenault is probably one of the most not controversial. That's not really the word I'm looking for, but just the most kind of like perplexing mm. receiver in this class because he has the ceiling to be one of the best three in the class and the floor to be irrelevant. Completely for useless. So, yeah, he's he's out there. What do you guys think? Yeah, Polarizing I mean, would be the word. Yeah, that's a good yes. word, yes. There we, we go. Just, listen, Words we are just hard. talked about Brandon Ayuk <laughs> and Michael Pittman in a row and how good they were after the catch. LaVisca Chenault over the last two years had more yak than both those guys. He's ridiculous, man. He he could be nasty. Now, yeah. 
the the team is a little interesting. The quarterback situation is a little bit interesting. What is Gardner Minshew going to become? Is a lot of question marks around him, but there's also a lot of upside, like Bet said. So, I mean, John, you've done a lot of rookie drafts, actually, not even mocks. Can you yeah. get him late second, or do you have to get up into the mid second to get him? Uh, it's it's pushing mid. Um, he's yeah. somewhere going between like two seven and two nine is pretty consistent right in yeah. there. That's probably um, right about right. Yeah, he's not going much later than that. I, I think I might take a shot at him around 209. I'd be okay with that. Well, he went before Chase Claypool and Michael Pittman in our draft today. Oh, yeah, I was surprised Michael by that. Pittman's, shame on you. I know. Agreed. Whoever yeah. it was. I was so mad. Pittman fell to like 207, 208. I was trying to trade up to get him. Wow. Uh, and whoever was the owner was like, yeah, maybe I'll think about it. And then like five seconds later, I look at my phone. She takes him. I was like, come on, man. I was really excited to get him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, LaVisca Chanel, super intriguing prospect. Definitely more of a developmental player, but the ceiling is immense with that guy. The next wide receiver to go off the board was KJ Hamler out of Penn State. He goes to Denver, the second wide receiver they took Boy. to pair up with Jerry Judy uh, and potentially play in the slot opposite of Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. Guys, KJ Hamler, my YouTube breakdown is on the the, the channel, but... The dude is explosive. He's dangerous with the ball in his hands. So I'm not necessarily saying I don't want him for fantasy because he could be a good asset, but there's a lot to compete with there in Denver with Noah Fant. And he just kind of profiles as that type of player that is going to be a better asset for the yeah. the NFL team, for the Broncos, than for our fantasy lineups. Uh, anything else to add there for KJ Hamler for you guys? No, that's really about it. I think that he's going to be a valuable NFL slot receiver. Um, I don't know that he's going to be super valuable for fantasy, especially with all the assets that they have there in Denver now with this draft. I mean, they did a terrific job, like I said earlier, surrounding that team, surrounding that quarterback with talent. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you can get players around that area that have higher ceilings than KJ Hamler. So I think that Hamler is probably not someone that I'm going to be targeting because I see him as just being a valuable kind of possession slot receiver at the NFL level. Yeah, definitely. Let's move on to the next guy here taken. This guy is super intriguing. Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame. He goes at the 49th pick overall to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And guys, if there's anything that we can rely on in fantasy or in, in football in general, it is the Steelers hitting on a second or third round wide receiver. <laughs> yeah. They take Claypool here out of Notre Dame. The dude is a monster. What is he like six, five or six, six, something ridiculous. He's huge. Um, but he was profiling as potentially a tight end or a wide receiver. He was kind of playing both at Notre Dame. And what that tells you, you know, if you're kind of listening to this as a, a fantasy player, is if they're debating whether he should be a wide receiver or a tight end, the dude can catch the football. He is the size of a tight end, but can play like a wide receiver. This guy is really intriguing. And to see him get second round draft capital for a team that knows how to draft wide receivers, to me, is really encouraging. You just talked about it, John. With KJ Hamler, even though he went earlier in the draft, I would much rather have Chase Claypool on my dynasty roster than KJ Hamler. What Agreed. are you guys' thoughts on this kid out of Notre Dame? Yeah, he's six four, just like some of these other wide receivers, but he's two thirty eight, and he Oof, ran a four four two forty at the combine. So that is not normal. No, that is a very well, very athletic big boy, a vert of forty and a half. This my, dude my is Lord. athletic, oh, explosive, can jump, can run, 
great after the catch, great contested catches. Quite frankly, I hope he gets tight end designation in fantasy football mm. so that he goes oh, into the tight end pool. That would be phenomenal. I, I would love that. Please line him up there like we saw them trying to do with Jalen Samuels. Get him tight end designation in, in fantasy, and he could be a top five fantasy tight end. Like, he's an explosive, great contested catch guy. Uh, he's going to be Ben Roethlisberger's best friend um, in the red zone. I'm I'm eating this up. I love this fit for him going there because they don't have this kind of size this kind of athlete in that offense. They have other athletic speed guys, different types of athletes, but nothing like a 442 40 and a half inch vert 642 38 wide receiver tight end hybrid. Yeah, and I think it's important to point out like he's not just a big guy and you you hit on it with his 40 time, he's a fast yeah. big guy. He's a deep threat. Like mm-hmm. he's going to help stretch this offense. He is going to make big catches down the field like don't take this the wrong way which it will be taken but imagine what calvin johnson used to do where he was just so fast and so big that he was able to get suddenly 30 40 yards down the field and box out guys and and either take you to the red zone or score the touchdown Chase Claypool is not Calvin Johnson, but no. that's the kind he of thing. He ran like a four-two, yes. at like six-five. Like, come but, on. The, but I'm again, it's not quite. It's that, not quite. But, yeah. but what I'm saying is that's the kind of a that's the kind of role he could help bring to make this offense better. And he's also extremely good at run blocking, which I think will he help is. him stay on the field. So yeah. I think he's going to be the two across from Juju. Well, wow. Deontay Johnson will be involved. It'll be close between those. It might be a two-way, two-B, and they might play different roles. But I think that he'll help Juju, and I think that he will get significant work. So he's going to be a top 10 guy as far as rookie wide receivers for me. I hope that this guy lines up in tight or in the slot, and you're having him stretch the seam against linebackers. Mm. That is going to be money all day mm-hmm. long. You just, yeah, that's going to be so good. So let me put it to you guys this way, because the... The question is not, do we like this guy? We do. But let's say we're going to break down the, the Steelers wide receivers from a dynasty perspective. Obviously, we think Juju is is number one. Who does this hurt more? Do you think it hurts Deontay Johnson or James Washington? It's James or, Washington. Or let me yeah. put it to this way. Okay. If that's the case, who would you rather have? Would you have Claypool or would you rather have Deontay Johnson on your dynasty roster? Ooh, this is a tough question. <laughs> He's hard, No. I think right now I still take <laughs> That's Deontay Johnson. That's my job. Johnson. I just I just ask the, the tough questions. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it Don, it's Deontay Johnson by a bit, um, but they're pretty close. I'd, I'd lean that way as well. Just we haven't seen it yet. Deontay Johnson looked really good, got great separation in his rookie year. Um, but, man, I, this is going to be valuable. Like, this is going to be really, really valuable. Um all of these guys. Like, I think Deontay Johnson is going to be super valuable. I think that uh, Claypool is going to be incredibly valuable. I hope he gets tied in designation. Um, my only hesitation is I don't know what their long-term plan at quarterback is, and neither do they. Mm-hmm. So that's they really intriguing. Don't. They have no idea what their long-term plan is at this point. So that's a bit of a question mark, but I got no problem uh, taking any of these guys on my roster right now. Alrighty, fair enough. Next wide receiver off the board was Van Jefferson out of Florida. He goes to the LA Rams again in the second round. I was kind of surprised about that. 57th pick overall. 
This is a guy who's pretty versatile. He's lined up uh, in all three wide receiver positions, also in the slot. Uh, very, very interesting prospect, but he did break his foot while training for the combine. So we haven't seen anything out of this guy pre-draft um, compared to the other prospects. So we have to go by, by what we see on tape with him. I think he's okay. I'm not in love with him as a, a fantasy asset or even an NFL receiver, but the Rams must have seen something that they like because they took him in the second round above other players who we thought would go first. So what are your guys' thoughts on Van Jefferson there? And obviously, let's discuss the fit uh, with the Rams. I actually like it a lot, and I'm starting to like Van Jefferson a lot. He's a very, very good route runner, and uh, I forget who it was talking on the broadcast, but somebody said that they compared him to Cooper Cup, which we know how that's worked in that offense. So Brandon Cooks? surprise surprise is gone uh robert woods does not have a long time left necessarily in la cooper cup i think is up after this year as well now i don't expect him to let both those guys walk but we've seen this offense support three decent fantasy wide receivers and if there's a chance that he becomes one of the two if woods or cups leaves that's really nice in this offense with jared goff who is you know he's not the best nfl quarterback but he's going to get you fantasy points for your receivers, and he has done so. I think Van Jefferson has a lot of upside for a very cheap price. He's one of my favorite values right now. I have him at nine, wide receiver nine right now, which I think is pretty high. Um, he's definitely a second-round pick for me, probably mid-second round pick. Wow. Um, yeah, and, and I mean mid-late in that 207-209 we were just talking about. I'd rather pick him than LaVisca Chenault, probably, especially if I wow. am, am less of a hmm. uh, risk guy. But I, I like Van Jefferson quite a bit, and I think that you guys, you drafters, should consider taking him in your second round, and you may get a lot of value out of him. So Van is going, for the most part, in the mid-third. He's going mm -hmm. like a full round later, um, which I'll take the value there all day. I don't know that I'm willing to spend it in the second. Um, I think that this is really kind of muddied for me in L.A. I, I kind of don't know why that was the pick for that. I get it that they need depth, and that's fine. But I, I kind of feel like he's going to just slot in as being a, a a depth piece on their roster, not someone that really sees a whole lot of work. Like we've talked about previously, down the stretch last season, they went to 12 personnel a lot with one running back, two tight ends, two wide receivers. They've already got Bobby Woods and Cooper Cup. Uh, those guys are entrenched there. Van Jefferson might see the field a little bit and make a splash here and there, but I don't know that he's in line for any sort of consistent production in that offense. I, I don't know how they're planning on using him unless they're planning on changing their scheme to going three wide. But then again, they've got Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby that they both want to get involved at tight end. So it's interesting to me. I'm not sure. I don't really trust the potential usage for a mid-second. I'll take him as a mid-third dart throw. But I think there's some other guys there that I'd rather take dart throws on than Van Jefferson. Um, even though I like Van Jefferson as, as a project, I would probably rather go Antonio Gandy-Golden or maybe a Devin DuVernay. Than, than mm. I would to go oh, wow. Van Jefferson. Because I think they have uh, Van Jefferson. Yeah. Um, he is my 15. 
Wow. I'm lower on him than you are. Yes. And I've got him at 14, so I'm, I'm right there. I will say this, though, about Van Jefferson. John brought up a good point, is that those wide receivers are firmly entrenched in their roles. So Van Jefferson might be a guy that you just, again, hey, Siri, remind me to trade for Van Jefferson in hmm, a year right. or in two years. I don't think you're going to see a lot this year out of him, to be honest with you. So um, he is an intriguing guy, but I think the, the year one you know production won't really be there. So remember that for you know future seasons, that Van Jefferson's a guy who potentially could put up more numbers in, in future seasons than this year. So I uh, just want to put that out there. Guys, we're getting a little bit long here on time. Let's wrap up with two wide receivers. We'll be quick on these guys. I want to talk about Denzel Mims because he was a guy Please. draft Twitter and fantasy Twitter was losing their <sighs> mind over. Um, a crazy blend of size and speed. What did he run? Like a 4-3-8 at 6... Yeah. What is it? 6-3. Three. three. Yeah, right? a 4-3-8 yeah. at 6-3 is unreal. Um, so the dude can move. He's athletic, but he landed with the Jets. So that's not great. Okay. No. So I'll say I'll say this about Denzel Mims. I'm so torn on the landing spot because one, he'll walk into a great target share. That's that should be fantastic for him. I think that he'll walk in there. But it's freaking Adam Gase. And it's the Jets offense that I don't trust as a whole at all. I've been having this discussion over the last couple of days with multiple people um, that are very high on Denzel Mims because they think that his target share is great. And I'm like, well, that's fantastic. But 20% of 50 is a lot <laughs> less than 20% of 100. So the offense as a whole is still going to be terrible. Even though they did have a really good draft, they got a great offensive lineman there. They bring in Denzel Mims. You can actually say that the Jets drafted well for the first time in a while, which is shocking. Um, but I just don't trust the system. I don't trust the offense as a whole. I, I'm, I'm just not in on where people are going to be valuing him because there are some people that are going to be so enamored by him, the prospect, that they're going to take him so early, like early second maybe. And, and I, I just don't know that I want it there. There's so many other wide receivers yeah. that I'd rather take because of the better offense, a better quarterback, better opportunity to score. Because offense, or like overall offense matters because – if you're running more plays per game, you have more opportunities to score per game, more opportunities for yardage per game. You can't just be like, well, he's going to get the most targets on the team. That's great. But his most targets on the team that only equate to 48 yards still sucks. And the <laughs> offense yeah. is not going to be great. So I love him as a prospect. I do. But I hate the landing spot and it kills me because I was so hoping he would go to like Green Bay. Like yeah, put him yeah, opposite Devonte Adams, it would have been so great, and they didn't take a freaking wide receiver at all. I don't know what they're doing. So <laughs> I'm 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 heartbroken about the Mims landing spot. I am. I mean, the only thing I'll add is I'm not even convinced he'll lead the team in targets anytime soon. I think James I Crowder could exact easily do that, and Mims is just going to yep. be a could be a wide receiver two on a team where your wide receiver one isn't even a wide receiver two in fantasy, which makes him like a wide receiver <laughs> five. So this sucks. I, Denzel Mims could have been a top six receiver in the right landing spot in, in this podcast. And instead, yeah. he's down here outside the top 10. Yep. Yep, definitely agree. And just to speak to that, Okada, Jamison Crowder with nearly a 25% market share last year on the Jets led the team in targets. Um, we had Robbie Anderson come in with just under 20% at 19. So, yeah, there's targets to go around. But like you were saying, what are the quality of the targets? Right. Probably not great. And for that reason, it's hard to invest rookie draft capital right now in Mims, knowing that you could get him later next year or in two years if you really like this guy. So, again, he's another person to put on your radar for in the future. 
But for this year and, and for the foreseeable future, I'm definitely out on Mims. One last player I want to talk about with you guys, and then we'll, we'll close up the show. Brian Edwards, yeah. really intriguing prospect out of South Carolina, goes in the third round to the Las Vegas Raiders. And guys, I think there's a realistic scenario that this is the wide receiver you want in fantasy yeah. over Henry Ruggs mm. in two years. I would not be shocked if that's the case. Brian Edwards is a very good wide receiver, but he fell in the draft because of uh, concerns regarding potentially his uh, health status. So what I mean by that is, he also broke his foot training for the combine, and we weren't able to see it. What was his testing data? What's he going to do? We don't know. So we got nothing on that, but he's a guy who I think is going to recover well. He had the Jones fracture, uh, which is the fracture of the bone on the outside of the foot. This season, will we see a lot from him? Probably not, but he's a guy that I think in future seasons could definitely lead the team as far as production. I like his skill set a lot more, actually, than Henry Ruggs, and you're getting him at way cheaper of a price. So mm-hmm. what are you guys' thoughts there on... Uh, this landing spot here in the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, I'm I don't think I would go as far as to say that I like him better as a prospect, but do I like him for the price better than Rugg for the price? It's not even close. The answer is yes. Right. I would much rather take a flyer on Brian Edwards than pay up for Henry Ruggs. So I don't hate that at all. I think he could be a very sneaky value and be very sneaky productive. Yeah, I agree. Brian Edwards is going roughly like late second to early third. Um, and I'm fine with that there. I actually just took him today. Um, I think that he's going to be the best jump ball option that they have in Las Vegas. He's going to be the best red zone option outside of Darren Waller that they have in Las Vegas. I really like his skill set a lot. Um, I think that he's a good prospect. And I think that he's got a real opportunity to carve out a nice role with good touchdown production in that offense. Yeah, for sure. And if you're into any analytics or anything like that, is looking at data and statistics, if you're familiar with the term breakout age, this dude has it. The age of 17 in the out, SEC uh, at South Carolina in the SEC. Yeah, yeah no doubt about it. And he was super productive. So, yeah, there's a lot to like about him. And again, you can get him way cheaper in your rookie drafts. All right, boys, we went through, what is that, 14 wide receivers on the show today. We could probably honestly talk for another two hours on <laughs> so these many. guys. Maybe we'll have to do a, a part two at some point or talk about some sleeper receivers yeah. in this class because it is insanely deep. But well, there's 34 we'll of the show them, here. So. <laughs> yes, 34 taken. Again, not a single one. To not a single one. Uh, or New England, for that right. matter. True. Or New oh, England. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all of them landed in Philly, and they're all the same. <laughs> yes. Not really. Uh, all right, boys. It was a fantastic show. Before we close out, I just want to thank the listeners. Yeah. Ooh. April was the most productive month for the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast in its existence. We are now entering year three, the most downloads we have had ever. And we just want to say a special thank you to everyone listening, downloading, subscribing, uh, commenting on YouTube, all that kind of stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, boys. We are back tomorrow. We are talking quarterbacks and tight ends. Until next time, we're the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.